Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Merry Christmas. In Luke chapter 2, we find the account of the birth of Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus was born in the most humble of circumstances. He was born in a manger. The only people who had the overwhelming privilege and blessing to see him at his birth are Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds who were tending their flocks at night. The shepherds, undoubtedly, are given this incredible blessing because of their simple, humble, and obedient hearts. Do you have the simple and obedient heart of a shepherd? Let's open our Bible now to Luke chapter 2 and look at the remarkable account of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Saturday morning here in Texas and hopefully y'all loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus. Merry Christmas. It's uh, it's the Christmas season. It's just a, it's a wonderful time of year. Um, just, you know, just all the family traditions and all the, <clears throat> the different things we do. But, uh, you know, the obvious focus of our hearts needs needs to be on on the birth of our Savior. Right, that our God, Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, became a human man for you and for me and for all of us. Right, He came into this world on our behalf. <clears throat> he lived a perfect life, a perfect, righteous, sinless life on our behalf and in our place that we could never live. He then died a, a perfect, righteous, sinless, torturous death on our behalf and in our place that we deserve to die and should have died <clears throat> and was raised from the dead. And John 1.12 says that by simply receiving him, right, by putting your full trust and confidence and reliance in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, you will be saved from your sin and you'll become a, a child of your heavenly father, right? John 1.12, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. <clears throat> okay, well, today we're going to do uh, Luke chapter 2. Lord willing, we'll do verses 1 through 20. Just uh, incredible scriptures on the, you know, on the birth of Jesus. We've done, um, we've done Luke 1, 26 to 38, when the angel visited when Gabriel visited Mary and told her that she would be pregnant. And then we did Matthew 1, 18 to 25, just the incredible character of Joseph, um, where he was planning to divorce Mary because he clearly doesn't believe her that, uh, you know, that that she was made pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And yet we're told that, uh, you know, he receives a dream um, and he takes Mary to be his wife. And so now here, in Luke 2, verses uh, 1 to 20, we're going to have the actual birth of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for your word. <clears throat> we thank you for our Bible. We thank you for the scriptures, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we have the living word of God and the incredible testimony of your word, Father. And we thank you for the birth of our Lord and Savior, Father. Above all, we thank you for Jesus our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, again, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life for us and dying a, a torturous death for us. And we thank you that you're alive and risen today and we worship you. 
Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. <clears throat> All right, thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, Luke 2, verses 1 through 20. Luke 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told, what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. <clears throat> just good stuff. <laughs> um, <clears throat> again, this is, it, this is remarkable. So Mary <clears throat> is presumably how long now, right? Is she what? Is she a week? you know, or so from giving birth? Is she two weeks from giving birth? We're not told exactly, but when you just see the providence of God here and the timing of this, right? Verse one, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Again, this would be where, where everyone would be counted and the primary purpose of this would undoubtedly be, you know, so they could be taxed so that, that Rome could bring in more money. Uh, verse 2, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. Verse 4, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. <clears throat> so again, how much time before Mary's giving birth, right? Um, verse five, he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child while they were there. The time came for the baby to be born. Verse six, 
the distance between um, Nazareth and Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem is around 80 miles. <laughs> so, <clears throat> again, obviously never having been pregnant, I don't understand the discomfort of that. But, but just being, however pregnant she is, let's say eight months, eight and a half months pregnant, um, in itself seems to be, and from what I've heard, to be just an incredibly uncomfortable time, right? It can be a time of just uh, just great discomfort, um, uh, you know, for all the women that have been through it. But now imagine that, you know, your husband comes to you and says, um, yeah, uh, Caesar Augustus has just issued a decree um, that the entire Roman world needs to be counted um, and we need to go to uh, to our own town, my hometown, and we need to register for this census. And that's uh, that's in Bethlehem. So imagine Mary listening to this. She's comfortable in Nazareth. You know, perhaps she has a, you know, already has a, a midwife there, right? And she's going to, you know, give birth to Jesus, maybe. And again, we don't know how exactly how long it is. Maybe it's a couple of weeks, right? Maybe it's a week. Um, we're not told. Could be four or five days. Um, you know, and now she's told that she needs to take an 80-mile journey. And scholars say it's probably around three days, okay, uh, where she's got to be riding on a donkey and just, you know, just being bounced around for three days while she's clearly late in this pregnancy. Um and again, you just, again, the providence of God in, in the book of, uh, I believe it's Micah. It could be, uh, it could be chapter five, verse two. I'm not sure, but it, you know, where it says that, you know, that, that you will Bethlehem are not the least, you know, it's, um, you know, where Jesus is, is prophesied to, to be born in Bethlehem. Um, and so it was going to happen. So we see the providence of God, but yet again, we see what, we, we see the Lord calling them, Mary and Joseph, to walk through an uncomfortable time, okay? Um, and we just, we consistently see this in the scriptures. We talked about how, how, you know, how if the angel in Luke 1 had appeared to Mary and Joseph when they were together, they would not have had to go through all the, the heartache. Jo Joseph would not have had to feel the, the, the crushing what he believed to be betrayal of his wife getting pregnant from another man. Um, and, and Mary wouldn't have to go through all the turmoil she had to go through if only the angel Gabriel had appeared to them together. Instead of just appearing in Luke 1 to Mary alone and explaining to her that you know she would be made pregnant by the Holy Spirit and she would give birth to the Savior, uh, I mean, the angel Gabriel could have easily appeared to them when they were together and said, hey, y'all, you know, this is what's going to happen. Um, you guys are going to be the parents of the Savior. The Holy Spirit's going to come on Mary. He's going to overshadow her. Um, she'll be made pregnant, right? The Holy Spirit will simply will it, will think it, and Mary will be pregnant. Um, and that would have spared them just tremendous anguish. Even here now, right? Um, just the timing of this. To be eight months pregnant, maybe eight and a half months pregnant. Again, we're not told exactly, but... She's well along in her pregnancy, and now to have to take an 80-mile journey, 
Again, probably, almost certainly right, riding on a donkey. And what is that like, right? Just being bounced around, Corinne, moved around, just, um, again, just the discomfort and the trials and the difficulties, and we're going to see more here in a minute, that, they, that they're allowed to endure. Um, and again, it's intentional by the Lord. You know, when we have problems, when we have difficulties, when we have trials, Esther, um, when we have things that come into our lives, right, Armando, um, that are unpleasant or uncomfortable um, or just cause us anguish and anxiety, you know, the Lord is fully in it. If you're in Christ today, all the difficulties that come into your life are there um, either by his permission or by his causing them. Those are the only two, the only two options. Um, and they're there so that we can grow in our trust and our reliance in Christ. They're there to refine our faith, right? You know, we don't need more faith. If we have faith in Christ today, if we're trusting and relying in Jesus today for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul, then we're also in the process of learning to trust him with the, with, uh, with the circumstances of this life. I've often said that, you know, for many of us as Christians, and certainly this is the case for me, I, I'm able to, you know, to really put my full trust and confidence in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins and the salvation of my soul. I know that I am a hopeless, desperate, helpless sinner. I can see it in my life every day. And then I'm running to Christ and clinging to Christ and holding on to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of my sins, the salvation of my soul, and deliverance from eternal hell. I, I know I'm a hopeless sinner and Jesus is my only hope. But now trusting and relying on Jesus for the day-to-day -day details of my everyday life, that, that is something different now. You know, walking out the process of sanctification, becoming more like Jesus, becoming more holy, um, having a greater lifestyle of repenting over just different, you know, sinful aspects in my thoughts and, and words and deeds, um, and trusting Jesus Christ with, you know, with the day-to-day -day details and circumstances of my life and my ministry and my, you know, my, my money and my mistakes and just all these things, that's, that's a different thing now, right? Um, and so we see that the Lord here, right? Verse four. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. So again, you see the timing of this, right? You see the timing that the Lord brings this about. Okay. You know, why couldn't it be, you know, it obviously couldn't be a few weeks after she gave birth because it was prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. But, uh, you know, why can't the, the Lord order these things at a convenient time? Okay. Now there are a lot of things, right? Maybe Mary was undergoing persecution in, uh, you know, maybe they were still being doubted in Nazareth as to her pregnancy. And so maybe the Lord was delivering them out of, you know, just, uh, just gossip and persecution that was happening in, uh, in Nazareth regarding her pregnancy. But, you know, nonetheless, the Lord is going to call her late in her pregnancy, probably very late, to take this 80 mile journey, some walking, some riding on a donkey, just pregnant with her firstborn um, when she's what, 15, 16 years old. It's just that we consistently see the Lord 
allowing, or in this case, even causing just situations of discomfort. And again, it's done so that that our faith will be refined, so that we will grow. It is for our good, and it's for their good here. Um, so Joseph went up, verse 4, from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Again, about 80 miles. Verse 5, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. So again, remember in Jesus's day, you know, once you were engaged, once you were pledged, once you were betrothed, you were considered married. Now, it wasn't until after the wedding, which is generally a year from this time, that you would have sexual intimacy and consummate the marriage. But if you were going to break off the marriage during this pledge or betrothal or engagement, then it would require a certificate of divorce. So to give you an example, it would be in our culture, you know, when a man asks a woman to marry him, you're engaged. But in our in our culture, you don't require a divorce certificate to break that. In our culture, once you're married, you do the wedding, then you need a divorce certificate. But in our culture, once you're engaged, you don't. In their culture, in their time, during that engagement or pledge or betrothal, you would have to get a certificate of divorce. Verse six, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Verse seven, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths <clears throat> and placed them in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So again, try to uh, just, just another discomfort, another remarkable discomfort in the life of Joseph, particularly Mary. But try to imagine Joseph, okay? Your wife is in labor. Verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. So she's in labor now, okay? It's my understanding that labor, it can be extremely painful. It can be hard. There's a lot going on. Um, we're not told that clearly that there's any, any midwife here to coach them, right? And it says there was no room for them in the inn. You've got to imagine Joseph was fairly frantic going and going to the innkeeper and certainly going to people that had rooms and saying, hey, can my wife is in labor. Can we, can we use your room? And yet no one gives up their room, Matthew, for Jesus. It's clear, again, we're not told this, but there can be little doubt that Joseph would have tried to find some type of reasonable place for his stepson, Jesus, for Mary to give birth to Jesus. But clearly, no one cared. Everyone cared only about themselves. We can, we can very much assume that Joseph looked to find proper accommodations, but no one had mercy. No one would help. She wrapped him in cloths, and placed them in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Again, some historians say, again, this manger, a place of animals, could have been a cave. You know, seems like a barn, right? A manger. Um, so Jesus is, is born with the animals. And Mary has to give birth. And all we're told here is that the only people 
that are there are Mary and Joseph at the birth. But I said this when I was studying this with Stephen and, and Jesse, and I may set it at Bible study on Thursday. But, you know, don't you think, Lauren, you know, 2,000 years later, whatever it is, that uh, 2,020 years later, that uh, I'll bet you now, you know, those people that Joseph had approached looking for help, I'll bet you they wished they had made the sacrifice and given up their room for Jesus. Don't you think? Everybody's still alive today. Imagine Joseph came knocking on your door, you know, 2,022 years ago and said, hey, my wife, Mary, she's, she's in labor. You think, you know, could we use your room so we could give birth? And nope, 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 can't help you. No one was willing to make a sacrifice. No one was willing to give up their room for Jesus. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, Becky, and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them. There was no room for Jesus. There was no room for Jesus. And again, when I look into my own heart, golly, when we leave this life, we, we want to have so consistently, so daily looked for where we could make room for Jesus. Look for where we could make sacrifices for Jesus. Are you now looking to make room for Jesus in your life? Are you looking to use your time, your gifts, your talents, and your money to serve Jesus? Or... Are you a Christian today? And for the most part, you know, there's, there's very little room for Jesus in your life, just like there was no room for him in the inn. It's, a, it's, a, it's an important question, right, Rap? Right, Alicia? You know, you and I, again, I'll say again, these people are alive in heaven or in hell, okay? But every one of them would have wished that they would have made room for Jesus, that they would have made a sacrifice, that they would have, they would have looked to given up their room for Jesus. And nothing can be found. So wherever it was, you know, someone pointed them to this manger, this barn, this cave. And there she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Uh, as, as far as we can tell, there's nothing... Um, you know, there's nothing exceptional about the birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus seems normal. Uh, it's his conception. It's a virgin conception. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Okay. It's the Holy Spirit who that, you know, that made Mary pregnant. Okay. Um, but the birth seems normal. And from the reading, it's, you know, it's, it's, it seems clear that it's only Joseph and Mary are there. And again, the birth is in a, can there be a more uncomfortable birth? You know, for all the ladies and, and men here who have children, did were any of your children born in a barn with animals around? I got to imagine it's not the most sanitary thing. Um, and so again, just, uh, just God the Father in his sovereignty, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, obviously they're protecting it. 
But if you're Joseph and Mary, this has got to be a pretty anxious time, a pretty uncomfortable time, yet another trial, yet another difficulty. So we see they're given the incredible privilege of being the parents of the God-man. But, it, but it, it didn't come easy. It didn't come without its trials, without its problems, without its difficulties, without its, you know, just its, its frustrations, its irritations, and, and, and why, why the Lord so consistently does this. But if we look in our own lives, right, we are consistently met with sufferings, with trials, with hurts, with pains, you know, with difficulties. And, you know, many or most of them we bring on ourselves, but either way, right, the Lord is in that as well. And he wants to use all these things for our good. He wants us to teach us to draw closer to him and to rely on him and to trust in him. And when we look at the lives of Joseph and Mary, we certainly see a reliance and a trust and a confidence in the sovereignty and providence of our heavenly father, right? Father, we do thank you just for your mercy on our lives. I ask you to forgive me, Father, just for my just for my my consistently discontented heart when I have, you know, trials and difficulties and inconveniences and frustrations and irritations. I'm, Father, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to help us one and all, Father, just to uh that when we have a, a trial or a suffering or a difficulty or anxiety, help us, Holy Spirit, drive us to what you would have us to learn from that, that our faith would be refined, that our faith would be purified, and that we would grow closer to you, that our heart would grow closer to you, Father, in all things. Forgive us, Father, cleanse us of unrighteousness, and, and help us to see the trials and difficulties in our life as an opportunity to grow and glorify your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Help us, Father. Help us, Father, to live our lives day by day and making more room for Jesus, making more room to serve you, Jesus, and to make sacrifices for you in the giving of our time, our talents, our energy, and our money to serve you in your kingdom, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Terrified. So scared that you think your life could end, right? Terrified when they see this angel, the glory of the angel, the, the, the glow, you know, of the angel, the power of the angel. The shepherds were the lowest of society. It's an interesting question. We're going to find that the only people to get the greatest blessing in the history of the world that anyone could undoubtedly have in this life is to see with your own two eyes the birth of the God-man live. And the only person to see that is Mary, Joseph, and these shepherds. Why did not the Lord, you know, reveal this to, to other people in society? Why didn't the Lord, you know, reveal it to other tradespeople or other businessmen. He chose, the angel cho chose to go to shepherds. The Lord sends the angel to shepherds. And it can undoubtedly be because the shepherd is a, is a simple man, a hard working man who, 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 you know, who just have simple 
and obedient hearts as we're going to see. And we're, and, and you know, you and I more and more want to have the heart of a shepherd. And it's not a coincidence that Jesus is called the chief shepherd, right? In, uh, in first Peter five. And so we too want to look at the heart of these shepherds and look at our own hearts and see, I, I mean, there's so many ways I need to, I want to have a, a heart of a shepherd, just the simple and obedient heart of a shepherd. Because these shepherds are chosen to get this revelation and understanding. And there can be no doubt that it's because, you know, they, they wanted it. They were willing to receive it. <clears throat> Who is the Lord going to give understanding to and revelation to and intimacy to? He's going to give it to those who want it, those who seek it, those who desire to know him. Are you today, you know, are you seeking after Jesus, Benny? Are you looking to, to experience him? Are you looking to grow to know him? Are you diligently seeking him? Do you have the heart of a shepherd? And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, doing their job. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Again, you know, if we ever saw an angel, it would, you know, our first response would not be wonder. Here it's terror, right? Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Isn't it a blessing that it's for everyone, that it's for all people. It's not just for a special group of people. The angel said, I bring you good news. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. The birth of Jesus ought to give us great joy. It's good news. It ought to give us great joy because without Jesus, every single person in human history would be in hell for all eternity, separated from God. Every single one, okay? From Adam to every person ever born in history, if not for the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, all humanity that ever lived would be accountable for their sin and would have to spend eternity in hell paying for their sin debt themselves. Jesus Christ, that's good news, right? Jesus became a human man, lived the perfect life for us that we couldn't live, died a torturous death for us that we should have died and rose from the dead. And when we genuinely receive Christ, when you genuinely put your full faith and trust and confidence in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, there's this incredible exchange that happens in the gospel. All of your sin, all of my sin, past, present, and future is credited to Christ at the cross. Every, every sin we ever committed is taken by Jesus and is paid for by him at the cross. And in exchange, we're given the perfect righteous life that Jesus lived when he walked the earth. That's credited to us as if we lived it, as if we lived our lives in a perfect, righteous, sinless way in thought, word, and deed. That incredible exchange, Nathan, is the heart of the Christian gospel. That's good news. And it ought to be, it ought to give us great joy, right, sweetheart? Right, May? 
Today in the town of David, verse 11, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Wow. Wow, Lord, I want to have the heart of a shepherd. Because you notice this good news, this blessing is given to shepherds. And if you and I want to get the blessings and the revelation of the word of God, we too need to more and more just have the simple and obedient hearts, the humble hearts of a shepherd. I don't, I don't know. I can't imagine how sadly how many blessings I have missed because I, I was not in a place my, where my heart was in a humble and simple and obedient heart of a shepherd like these men, right? It's, it's hard for us just to, to have a simple heart, right, Kayla? It's hard for us just to, be, just to be content. Father, I do ask you to help us one and all to just have the simple, humble, obedient hearts of a shepherd that we might receive greater and greater revelation and intimacy with you in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit. This will be a sign to you, verse 12. <clears throat> you will find a baby wrapped in cloths, cloths and lying in a manger. Verse 13, suddenly a great company, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, now a great company of angels appears and what are they doing? Praising God and saying, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Again, what's happening is so incredible that just now a whole host, we're not told how many, just a great company of heavenly angels appears. And when they appear, they're praising God. You know, the birth of Christmas can often get to be commonplace for us, sadly, certainly in my own life. And again, we just want to have a place. Father, I ask you to soften our hearts and help us like these angels just to explode with praise and thanksgiving and worship to our heavenly father, saying glory to God in the highest. Above all, the birth of Jesus brings glory to the triune God. Glory to God in the highest. And look at this, the angels say, and on earth, peace to men. That obviously means men and women on whom his favor rests. If you're in Jesus Christ today, you have peace with God. If you're not in Jesus Christ today, you don't have peace with God. We're actually, without Jesus, we're actually at war with God. All 8 billion people alive today and all people in all history need Jesus uh, a man at Bible study, Jason, had asked a good question. Well, what about those people that lived before Jesus? Well, before Jesus, right, uh, the Savior was promised. Throughout the whole Old Testament, the 39 books of the Old Testament, it was promised that a Savior would come, a Messiah would come. And you would put your faith and trust in the Messiah that was to come. You looked forward to the cross. You had faith in the Word of God and the Savior that would come. You put your faith in Jesus who was to come. You and I, you know, we look back and we put our faith in the Savior that has come, right? We, we look back 2,000 years. They look forward. 
So the same cross, the same Jesus, the same Messiah, the same Savior saves us all. It's incredible. Do you have peace with God in Jesus Christ today? Are you trusting and relying and clinging to Jesus alone? Alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. Abandoning any hope in yourself, your good works, your good deeds, or anything else to save you except Jesus. You know, if you're not sure, you can stop the tape. You know, Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does that mean? It's not our words that save us. It's Christ that saves us. But we do use our words to communicate our heart to Jesus. And what that means is out of a humble heart, knowing your hopelessness, your desperation, and, you know, your helplessness, knowing that without Jesus only hell awaits, you posture yourself before Jesus, you humble yourself, and you simply call out to him, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinful man or woman. I know I'm a sinful person. And Lord, I know that I am hopeless and helpless and desperate without you. But Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. And I believe you did come into this world and lived a perfect, righteous life, even for me, and died a perfect, righteous death, even for me. And I believe you are alive and risen today. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart. I ask you to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and confidence and trust in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Mm. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Again, that's how you receive Jesus. Use the words that I used, but, but obviously it's the sincerity and the genuineness and the authenticity of your heart that matters. And you will become a Christian and your sins will be forgiven. And God the Father will become your heavenly Father. And Jesus Christ will become your Lord and Savior and Master and King. And God the Holy Spirit will become your guide, your counselor, your comforter. Mm. Verse 15. When the angels had left them, the shepherds, and gone into heaven, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Look at verse 16. So they hurried off. Again, the simple and obedient heart of a shepherd. They get the revelation of the word of God from the angel. The angel gives them the word of God of what's happened. They don't hesitate. They don't do other things first. They don't finish their supper. They don't you know, finish the game they were playing. They don't watch them last three episodes on Netflix, right, Matt? Um, so they hurried off. When we study the word of God, when we get the word of God to us, when we get a revelation of Jesus, we want to hurry off and quickly, you know, put into practice. When, we're, when we look into the Bible and, you know, just daily when we see the mistakes in our lives and the failures, and I'd have to take a vacation day to tell you the places in my life I need to do better. But we want to be quick to repent. We want to hurry off and say, Lord, forgive me and help me. And I want to do better. And even if you make the same mistake day after day after day after day, just hurry off and run to Jesus in repentance. And, and when, the, when the Lord shows you in the word just areas where you're not 
not living for him or giving for him or loving for him or forgiving for him. Hurry off and forgive that person that's wronged you. Hurry off and be a blessing where the Lord gives you that revelation. Just the heart of a shepherd, the simple, humble, and obedient heart of a shepherd. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They didn't wait. They left the the sheep, right? Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So again, they quickly look to obey what uh, what the angels had told them. And because of their simple and obedient hearts, they get Well, again, I'll say, has got to be the greatest blessing ever given at any time for anyone in this life. They get to see with their own physical human eyes, the Savior, the God child, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Wow. Wow, Corinne. Golly, Lord. Verse 17, when they had seen him, They spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. Again, do you have the heart of a shepherd? Now that you have the revelation of Jesus, do you have a lifestyle of spreading the word of what you understand about this child? Do you spread the word concerning what's been told you about Jesus? Do you have a heart to tell anyone who will listen the good news about Jesus Christ? Do you have this heart of a shepherd to spread the good news of your chief shepherd, Jesus Christ? Like we said, that he came into this world, willingly became a human man of his own will and decision, and then lived the perfect righteous life for you and for everyone and died a torturous death and was raised from the dead. And that by trusting in him and believing in him and receiving in him, You would be forgiven of your sin. You would come into relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you would ultimately go to heaven when you die. Is that on your lips? Do you have a lifestyle of in any way spreading the word concerning what you've been told and what you know to be true about Jesus? We want to have, again, the heart of a shepherd. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Verse 18, and all who heard it were amazed. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Again, the gospel ought never lose its amazement. The good news that our God, the Son of God, God the Son, Jesus, willingly became a human man for us, lived a perfect life for us, died a torturous death for us, and was raised from the dead the amazingness, the remarkability of that gospel ought never be lost on us. And forgive us, Father, where it's become commonplace. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Look at verse 19. But Mary, and this ought to be saying of your name in here, but Pop, right? But Taylor, but Matthew, but Becky, but Rat. But Esther, but Linz, but Gwenda, verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in our heart. As I've said before, this woman of God, Mary, is just, her character is remarkable. Again, you don't worship Mary, you don't pray to Mary, but when you just examine the character of Mary, 
She is a human being, okay? She has her faults. You know, she's not perfect. She's a sinner like the rest of us. But she has a tremendous godly character, and there can, there can be no doubt this is why she's chosen to be the, the mother of Jesus. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in their heart. Do you, could, could you put that in there? Could it say, but May treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart? How often are you treasuring? How often do you take time to treasure up all the things that the Lord has done in your life? and is doing in their in your life? Are you treasuring up the word of God in your life? Are you treasuring up all the things that, that the Lord has done? And are you pondering them? But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. We ought to consistently be pondering the work of Jesus in our life and how Jesus is ordering our circumstances. We ought to consistently be treasuring up and pondering the word of God as a treasure and thinking about it in our lives. Wow. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. Again, this is what it means to have the simple, obedient heart of a shepherd. Do you have a lifestyle of glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told? Father, we do worship you. We praise you. We thank you. We love you, Father. We thank you for our Savior. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the good news. We thank you, Jesus, again, for coming into this world for us. We thank you, our King, for being born in such humble circumstances. We thank you, our King Jesus, for living that righteous life we could never live for us. We thank you, our King, for dying that torturous death we deserve to die. And we thank you that you are alive and risen, our King, and we worship you. Holy Spirit, we do thank you and praise you. We ask you to help us, Holy Spirit. Give us eyes that see and, and, and ears that hear and hearts that understand Jesus, our Chief Shepherd. Help us to have, Holy Spirit, the simple and obedient hearts of a shepherd. And I ask you to help us, Holy Spirit, to, to just use the trials and difficulties and, and hardships and anxieties of our lives to, to grow closer to you, to trust in you with not only our sin and our salvation, but with all the details of our lives. Father, we love you. We bless you. And we thank you. We commit this time into your hands with thanksgiving in our hearts. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.